And I want to ask God's favor. So, Lord, I love you and I thank you. Uh, thank you for each person that's here and how you bring encouragement to me through them. Lord, we need to hear from your spirit tonight and get our hearts around what you want to accomplish in us. Please uh, bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So by way of life application, just to review a couple things here uh, from Psalm 56. Uh, it's a curious thing that sometimes we, the very thing we're running away from is what we run right into. And we've got to be so careful. And that, of course, is illustrated in the story of David and Goliath and how he had to face the king of uh, King Achish, who was Goliath's king. Uh, it's really amazing when we learn to put truth right in the middle of our problems. That, to me, was one of the biggest takeaways from last Wednesday night. Um, we complain, we get honest with God, we get out, you know, get what's in our hearts out there, but there's so much wisdom in putting truth right in the middle of our problems. It changes everything. And faith allows us to answer really difficult problems uh, and really bring answers to, to our, our lives from God's perspective. What can mere mortals do to me? Well, that's a God question. Um, and then this, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Those are things of God. And when we bring them into, into our lives, we get amazing insight. And then the idea of collecting tears in a bottle, that is actually, um, Rick and Carol, that's an actual ancient practice. They actually do that. They collect tears. And that is a symbolic action that also uh, involves the passing on of the stories of suffering to the next generation, which is important uh, because if we're not careful, uh, we, we create the idea that Christianity is easy and it's easy believism and sign the little card in VBS, you're in, and memorize a couple verses, you're baptized, and, and all should be easy when, when oftentimes the very opposite is true. And, and sometimes... Our, People of faith uh, can't handle adult pressures. Uh, it is really difficult. I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, <clears throat> John Piper started uh, Desiring God, and one of his lead writers, you're nodding Janice, a guy, his last name is Maxwell, uh, is one of the next high-profile Christian leaders, Ph.D. in New Testament and in philosophy from Trinity Evangelical uh, School in Deerfield, Illinois, has renounced Christianity. He has deconstructed his faith and has embraced that he's not a Christian. So he's another one that's, that's gone down. And the fact is, um, sometimes we pass on to our kids easy believism and a cheap faith and cheap grace, intimacy with God with no repentance, all these kinds of things. And, and then when they facing the adult world and adult pressures, uh, they crash and burn. They can't handle it because it doesn't, it, 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 there's cognitive dissonance. It causes too much stress in their brains, and so they, they go for the easy way out. We've got to learn to pass our stories of great success and strength and joy, but also our stories of suffering to the next generation. Did you know there's a high percentage of uh, people in the, uh, around the earth on planet Earth, where we live, by the way, that don't believe the Holocaust even happened. It's fascinating. 
And efforts have to be made to memorialize these kinds of things or it's lost to the next generation. Really critical. So, all right. Um, And then lastly, uh, knowing that God is for us and not against us is a beautiful thing. And the Apostle Paul actually quotes Psalm 56, which is beautiful. All right, now tonight, what I want to do is I want to talk about, I really feel moved by the Spirit to do this, to talk about how faith is expressed at the two, two key moments of the day, in the morning and the evening, all right? In the morning and the evening. A little bit of a testimony. When I first became a believer, uh, I heard all kinds of things about having a quiet time. And that if you're a godly young Christian, you have your quiet time. And if you don't, you're walking in disobedience to the Lord. And, and that was a scary thing as a young believer because I, I didn't want to mess up and all that stuff. And I, as I was young, it, it was, it, you know, it was hard to get up early, earlier than I had to, to really spend time on my knees, you know, and really get in the Word. And, and so many people, you know, told me, you've got to have your quiet time. And I struggled with that. I really did. And I was young and energetic, and so I would burn the midnight oil, as they say, and I tried to sleep as late as I could, Bruce, to, you know, be up and be at the factory working at 6.30, whatever it was. I know you were very disciplined uh, when you were a young, young man. But, man, I had a hard time with it. I had a lot of guilt about that, you know. And then I began to look closely at the scriptures. And um, it's interesting that the scriptures really don't say in a kind of imperative way that you have to have a quiet time. And if you don't, you've blown the whole day. It actually doesn't say that. Okay. So that brought some grace, a little bit of relief to me. Whew, I don't have to have a quiet time now. Uh, but, and I say that in an effort to be humorous, please be gracious when you hear me. But when you read the full sweep and scope of the scriptures, you find people who sought God all the time having this quote-unquote quiet time, which, was, which is Christian lingo for time to pursue God and seek his face in prayer and scripture reading, etc. And uh, I began to realize as I matured in my faith that, that this idea of a quiet time in pursuing God is about, it's about intimacy, it's about a love relationship, it's about being so close to God that you want to seek his face it's not about a rabbit's foot kind of idea that I'm going to have my quiet time and do my, my, my lucky thing and then put my quiet time in my pocket so I'm going to have a good day. And that is really, really unhealthy when you see it as the thing to keep you from having a bad day. That's not good. Uh, nor is it good when it's kind of forced, where it's this laundry list, you know, it's like, to your spouse, you know, do you do you have to kiss him goodnight? Do I have to? Uh, do I have to say I love you? Well, that's what shaped your marriage in. And you got some serious problems, you know. The, the 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 privilege to say to your spouse that you love them and to give them a kiss goodnight isn't something that's a laundry list thing. It's like, what a gift. To, what a privilege to say that. And I think that's how it is with quiet time. Your time with God isn't a forced laundry list task. Nor is it some religious, you know, scare tactic ritual or some rabbit's foot thing that you do 
to keep yourself from having a bad day or jinxing your day. If, if that's where we are, we have missed the whole point of intimacy with God. So, that in mind, if you have a sensitive heart, do not let tonight spin you into a massive guilt trip because you didn't have some deep, quiet time with God today and your faith is wrecked. That's not the point. All right, so let's walk through this. And we're actually going to do a sweep of the Psalms and not look at just one. So the concept of the morning and the evening, and I'm using our Western concept. In Hebrew, it flips the evening first. Uh, We're just going to look at how that time of day uh, uh, we find believers expressing faith. How did they express faith in the morning? How did they express faith in the evening? In the morning, Boker, in the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will present my prayer to you and be on the watch. In the morning, you'll hear my voice. A way to express faith in the morning. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime Weeping may tarry for the night, Arif, but joy comes in the morning. Something can happen in the morning. Something beautiful. Psalm 42.8, the Lord will send his goodness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. Okay. So God revealing goodness in the day and a song will be with me in the night, his song. Uh, a brief comment about, about me and my girls. I'm a bit of a guitar player. Um, I've lost a lot of my skills just for lack of, of uh, practice. But when my girls would litter, were little, I would write them songs. And each of my girls has their own song. And it's unique to them. And, and, and I've done the same for the grandkids. And so Isaiah uh, says, Daddy, Papa, I want to hear my song. I want to hear my song, you know. And I, can, can you just borrow that idea and appreciate this? His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. Isn't that beautiful? That God may sing over you, which is a reference in the Minor Prophets but that he might even give you a song in your heart and that you could sing that back to him. I just think that's beautiful. Uh, Psalm 46, 5, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Something about the morning. Hope. Something about the sunrise when you can see. Quick comment about darkness. Um, it is suggested by psychologists and other, other folk that the reason why little children have this idea that there's a monster under the bed is because their backs are to the floor and their eyes are out front and not behind them. It's the blind side. And it creates a kind of uh, concept in the child's brain that they're afraid of what they can't see. God will help when morning dawns. Sometimes the night is a scary time. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and moan 
and he'll hear my voice. Voice again. You know, we've covered that in, in Israeli worship that we have permission and even an expectation to complain to God. He will hear my voice. Well, that implies we're saying something. It implies we're talking. Okay, another grouping here, Psalm 59, 16. But as for me, I will sing of your strength. I will joyfully sing of your faithfulness in the morning. For you have been my refuge and a place of refuge on the day of my distress. Can you tell that, that the writer has resolved some things to be able to say, God, I have a song for you, and I will joyfully sing of your faithfulness in the morning. We'll care. You've been my refuge in the past. You've been a place of refuge for me on the day of my distress. Expressing faith in the morning. Um, Psalm 60. Terry, I think you would appreciate this in view of your Navy days. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Evening faith. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Again, singing, meditation, reflection in the evening hours. Now, in the ancient Hebrew way of thinking, there were three watches to the night. And Terry, there were four-hour blocks. When you get to the New Testament, there are three-hour blocks, and you have the fourth watch. But in the Old Testament... Uh, uh, culture, you have three, and they're four-hour blocks. Sunset to 10, 10 to 2, 2 to sunrise. All right? And the author is saying, I'm going to be like a watchman on duty, and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to remember, and I'm going to meditate on you in the night watches. For you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings... I will sing for joy. Typically, that kind of worship only comes from somebody that has known deep sorrow, deep suffering. Somebody who's really got it good, they're going to sleep through the night. But when you're broken and you've known suffering that, that is beyond description at times and you've experienced healing, you can sing at night. You can reflect and remember and think. Psalm 65, verse 8. Those who dwell at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make mutza. You make the sun and the sunset, the sunrise and the sunset, shout for joy. Yeah. You know, Paul wrote in Romans 1.20 that the invisible attributes of God have been revealed through creation. There's just something about seeing a sunrise. Something about seeing a sunset. And for the psalmist, in a heart of faith, tuned in to a love relationship, he says, I hear a shout of joy when I see the sunrise. I hear joy. It's beautiful. All right, let's do another block and we'll, we'll finish up. Psalm 88, 13. But I, Lord, 
I've cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. Are you getting the idea that there's conversation, that there's communication? You see the pattern? There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of expectation. Psalm 92. This is one of my favorite passages. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, Most High. To declare your goodness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. What a way. That, that morning-evening cycle, I think it's beautiful, to start my day saying, you know, I don't have to have a good day, but God, you're good. And then when you go through your day, you say, God, you've been faithful to me today. You've been faithful. And to do so with a ten-string lute and with a harp, with a resounding music on the lyre. Beautiful language of worship in the morning and the evening. All right. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. What's happening here? Doesn't sound very worshipable, does it? (laughs) Actually, it is. It is. Look at this next one. Um, I am gone like a shadow at evening. I am shaken off like a locust. When I was a little boy, and on those very rare occasions that I got in trouble... Very rare. And I had to do a timeout. Thank you, Sloan. I had to do a timeout. Five minutes in the corner was like, oh, it's five minutes. You know, just like, oh, you know. And now, five days, it's gone. <laughs> what happened to last year? Oh, we, we, we skipped that. I didn't mean to say that. We all know what happened last year. Uh, do you ever feel like your days just like a shadow? It's gone. Your days are flying by. As we age, and literally, uh, as our parietal lobe changes, we perceive time and space differently. And whenever there's a noise, it means I was right. That's, uh, Jay, that's a little thing between me and the Lord. <laughs> as we age, our parietal lobe matures. And we literally perceive time and space differently. How many of you, when you were, were uh, when you were little, you thought running to the end of the hallway was like a country mile, and you thought your bedroom was huge, huge, and then now as an adult you go back to your your house and you're like, what? That's 15 feet. That's all. It was a 15 foot hallway. I used to run and be panting at the end of the hallway like I just ran a touchdown. You know. And your room is so tiny. As we age, our parietal lobe, where we do a lot of sensory processing, changes. And uh, little Isaiah, you know, Isaiah, you're going to have to wait for supper. Oh, oh, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. Oh, it's terrible. And yet at our age, it's like, where did the morning go? The evening can give us perspective and how quickly our lives are just flashing by. And the psalmist even really develops the idea that uh, sin has such a terrible price that it's like an evening shadow and my life is gone. It's withering away. 
or the perspective of the aged and how time flies. My eyes anticipate the night watches so that I may meditate on your word. Can you imagine having time at night where you're going to think about God's word, you know? There's a whole lot of love behind that verse, you know. Um, okay, here we go. My, may my prayer be counted as incense before you, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. We miss out sometimes uh, as Protestants on Jewish culture and the practice of Judaism and uh, you know, for us, this is a really irreverent, this is, this is how we pray. Head down, eyes closed, you know, and almost like we're tuning into ourselves. By the way, which is, which is really in the New Testament, Jesus said, go to your closet. It's a private matter. We get that. We get that. And the man, smitten by his guilt in the temple, wouldn't lift up his eyes to heaven. But in Judaism, heads up, eyes open, looking to the sky, hands up. This is how, this is how a Jew would pray. And we, we kind of miss that, the idea that I could raise my hands at evening and consider that what I am saying to God smells like a fragrant aroma to him. It's incense. When I say, God, I love you. you, you you've been faithful to me today. And I love you and I thank you. And I want to offer prayers this evening. And I, I pray that they rise like incense to meet you. Let me hear your faithfulness in the morning, for I trust you. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. I love that. Uh, uh, in, my, in, in my years with Lisa, Lisa has been just a phenomenal mother and certainly grandmother and watching Lisa wake up her kids in the morning, you know, and she would pat them in this sweet Batesville accent and, and voice, you know, hey, baby, hey, 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 Becca, and just kind of easing Becca out of sleep or Andrew or Catherine. My girls heard Lisa's faithful voice in the morning as she would awaken them. Boy, to have the heart of a child so that I could anticipate Abba Father speaking his faithfulness over me as I begin my day. For I trust in you. Now we're getting at the roots of things. I'm trusting in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. All right. I've kind of done some summary work to ways faith is expressed in the morning and ways faith is expressed in the evening. And I want to turn this over to you all. You're the body of Christ. Don't see this legalistically, you know. Like, you mean I've got to do all that stuff to have my quiet time tomorrow morning or God's upset with me? You miss, No, time out, time out. You missed the whole point. Time back in. This is about a love relationship. <laughs> okay. And that includes both the morning and the evening. So you're the body of Christ. 
What has to happen inside the heart of a Christian to want to pursue God like this? What do you I think? I letting the Holy Spirit fill your heart to where that won't be a list of things to do, but of things that you are wanting to do without without it being a list. Yeah. It is something that will be brought out by the Holy Spirit within you. Yeah. It, it won't it won't have to be a, a schedule. You right. just do right. it automatically because it will be it will be a, a real relationship. That's so good, David. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Someone else and how we would live this out or what's got to happen inside of us. And David is right. We have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a comforter inside of us to be the voice of faithfulness in the morning, to give us that song, all these things. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What else? What has to be accomplished inside of us to have this kind of, I want to say freedom? Freedom to sing? Freedom to talk? Freedom to remember? The grace to admit our mistakes to God and not live in shame? What do you think? What's got to happen inside the human heart, the heart of a believer, for us to move toward this kind of faith? Trusting in God with all your mind, body, and heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's good, David. That's good. Sometimes I'll get a new fact out of it. Sometimes I'll get a new understanding. Sometimes I won't feel like I get anything out of it, but somehow just the persistence of it is good. It's like an investment in a future. That's like, good, Jennifer, yeah. yeah. All these times and all these ways that we can connect with Almighty God who loves us. Yes, that's so good. So, uh, Jennifer, you, you might want to check your volume, see if it's up all the way. Let me repeat. Jennifer said that uh, she thinks it's really important that we see this as an opportunity and not as an obligation. Uh, it's an opportunity. Yep. yep. Chris, if I may add one other yep. thing. It, yep. it is just like marriage. When you and whoever you're married to love each other, it's the first and foremost in your mind. It's, it's also the same how a parent loves their child. It's the first and foremost in their mind. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is no steps. You just automatically, yes, you automatically love them and, and praise them and, and, and everything of that. Yes, that's it's a, so it's a, relationship. It's a, it's a marriage relationship. 
Yes, yes. In fact, David, uh, to really give the full breadth of this, it's all relationships. Parent-child, sibling, friend. It's just how you do relationships. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, someone else? What has to be accomplished inside someone's heart to have this kind of expression of faith at the beginning point and the end point of the day. Terry, you were going to say something, sir. Yeah, I was. uh, I have developed a good habit in that every day, and because I tend to wake up early, uh, I get a cup of coffee and I go out to the front porch, which happens to face east, and I pray to God, and I talked to Gail. And it's normally about 20 minutes, assuming that if there's no snow or driving rain. <laughs> but it brings me a sense of peace on confronting the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. that I am not as diligent in the evening. I don't say goodnight the way I should. I think you will tonight. I bet you will tonight. (laughs) Terry, could you educate us, please? What is the protocol for a watch and a changing of a watch, the shift? In the Navy, there are seven watches. And watches are four hours long, with the exception of what they call the first dog watch, the second dog watch, which are only two hours long. And the reason that they do that is to ensure that the same person does not have the same watch every night. The names of the watches are the first watch is from four in the morning until eight in the morning. Then you have the forenoon watch, the afternoon watch, the first dog watch, the second dog watch, the evening watch, and then the mid watch. It covers all 24 hours. Uh, Watches are relieved 15 minutes early. That goes back to the days of sale, so uh, the oncoming watch could be told what course they're currently steering. Did the captain leave any special instructions? What's the weather look like? All the pertinent information. And uh, when you have received all that, you state uh, you are relieved. I, I uh, assume the watch. Yeah. And it is logged in on the quarterdeck. Yeah. Very serious, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is, is a, a ritual that needs to be followed. Yeah. And each watch has eight bells in it. Okay. And each half hour, one bell is added. So the first bell or 
first half hour and a watch gets one bell, the second full hour gets two bells, and so on. Except on New Year's Day, when they ring eight bells at 12 o'clock, and then eight bells immediately thereafter to ring in the New Year. There you go. There you go. So there's a lot of ritual and a lot of seriousness at the same time. Yeah. 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 So we're all reading from the same page. Yes. Yes. And there's a lot of wisdom in in what you just said. So yeah. Um, someone else, why does this matter? Expressing faith. Uh, what's that? I was thinking about your question a little more. Okay. And, um, I feel like you all know this, but I guess the obvious implication is being a believer, our relationship with God is a seven day a week, morning and evening thing, you know, not just something we dip into occasionally when it's time. Thank you, Jennifer. It absolutely is. Faith is a seven day a week relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Time and talk. And I think for new believers too, it's the same thing. You get used to developing that relationship with God. It starts off a little slow, but you're very eager about it. And then hopefully you kind of build yourself into a rhythm where you have constant communication with God. And it may not be long, it may just be I'm checking in with you and I love you enough. I know you've got great plans for you today. Yeah. Simple as that. And yeah. Yes, yes. That is beautiful. Let's try to get inside the head of C.S. Lewis for a bit in the screw tape letters. If this is if this is the heart of a believer in the Lord that's really seeking time and and talk, worship. If you were Satan, get inside C.S. Lewis' head. What could you do to deconstruct this? Social media. What else? Distract. What's that? Distract. Distractions. It, yeah, it could be Facebook. It could be ESPN. You know, bass boat fishing. Yeah, all those things. Uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. All kinds of things. What else, though? 
if you're going to deconstruct this, what are you going to do? There you go. God doesn't hear you. What about this? God doesn't even like you. (laughs) If he can create within you a disgruntled, bitter spirit toward God, he has got you beat. God's a failure. God's disappointing you. Or, in simple terms, uh, God's holding out. Does that sound familiar? God's holding out. Hearing an echo here, Lisa? Isn't that the Eve story? Yep. Boy, if he can get that, plant that seed of doubt that he really isn't trustworthy, he doesn't know what he's doing, etc., etc. He's not a, a, a good father. Uh, this kind of stuff comes real hard. Comes real hard. But if you can get his heart, this kind of stuff can be beautiful, especially with the Holy Spirit inside. Absolutely. So someone else? Anyone? Uh, Misha? Um, <clears throat> something that I've been doing a lot more in the past five years is if I wake up in the middle of the night due to like jet lag or anxiety or something, um, that's the time that I take to pray. What else am I going to do? Yeah. Because I guess if they're worried about things, yeah. what can I do to make Mm-hmm. That's so good, Michelle. If I may confess something, what has transformed my faith is when I realized that if I really wanted to see what God was like, I needed to look at Jesus. That changed everything. which allowed me, Michelle, to turn to him in faith and not have an adversarial posture toward him or he toward me. So, yeah. Okay. Hmm. This is so good. So pop quiz on some Hebrew. Uh, the word meditation. Now remember, Hebrew is it's a really plain kind of concrete language. It's really really neat. It's not so heady and theoretical as Greek. That's pretty basic. Um, says what it means, means what it says. That's Hebrew. Meditation. If you're, if you're into livestock, what do cows do with their food? They digest it. Mm-hmm. Chew it. They chew it. Boy, sounds like a real good Hebrew word for meditation to me. Just chew it and chew it again. And chew it again, and chew it again. Uh, another way to think of it is it's something that just keeps kind of revolving in your mind. You're pulling it back around and, and thinking about it. I love to meditate on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. 
And I will meditate on that and go word for word. Trust, trust, trust. Okay, what is trust? Uh, trust is confidence. Trust is uh, I'm persuaded. I, I believe. Um, there's a logical basis for something. Trust in, trust in. Okay, we're, we're trusting in well. Trusting in the Lord. The definite article, the. Uh, any Lord or the Lord. The Lord. Trust in the Lord. Lord, God, creator of heaven and earth. And I just walk through that word by word. And it just, it just, I'm getting more and more nutrition when I, when I do that. That is what it means to meditate. And the psalmist said, I will meditate in the night watches. Yeah. So, good stuff. Okay. Can I tell you a secret about human nature that I have gained after all these years? You ready for this? Ouchie, ouchie, here it comes. We tend to find what we look for. What does that mean? We tend to find what we look for. Good and bad. Yeah? If we are expecting... consequence of wrong making we're going to find it um, if you're in a job that you don't like there's going to be somebody there that is going to rub you the wrong way and you're expecting that you're ex- yeah you're looking for it you've already made up your mind it's going to be a lousy day yeah. and everything's going to go sideways yeah, that, you'll probably find it if that's what you're looking for. But if you come at a relationship with the Lord as revealed in Jesus Christ, as Philip said, with a heart motive that he's causing all things to work together for good, he's the faithful missionary, not me. He's chasing me down. He's the one that's pursuing me. The minor prophet, he sings over me. He's like a warrior, a singing warrior. And he loves me. He wants to sing a love song to me, you know. All these things, yeah, yeah. And wow, to get up and say, good morning, Lord, as opposed to saying, good Lord, it's morning. Oh, you know. And in the evening, you've been so faithful. It's beautiful. Okay, someone else. Last word. Anybody you want to bring wisdom and grace to us? I wanted to go back to what you were saying about, you were talking about meditating and, um, you know, chewing on it like a cow does, ruminating, yeah. right? Yes. And I just, I, I heard that before, but I just had the sudden realization, okay, I'm going to meditate on something. I am. That's how I work. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good reminder to be like, okay, I'm meditating. What did I choose to meditate on? You know, that yes. makes a big difference in how things go. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That is so good. So. How beautiful that the Lord is who he is. There's so much goodness to meditate on. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, yes, slow. Preacher. <laughs> on this verse. Pitch our tent right here. Yeah, let's camp out right here. And the 
yeah. unpack right yeah. here in this work on this That's project. good. It's like you just picture that and think, what does that mean when yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff, yes. Yeah, so would you like a homework assignment? Pick a verse of scripture, probably one that you're familiar with. You know, for example, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, right pressed up against the day of Christ Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, John 3.16. If you're at our house, Luke 12.32. If you're not little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Just pick a verse, you know. It's something that you learned as a little kid or something you're interested in or, or even something from um, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty, for they should be filled. That's it. And try meditating on it, word by word. And as Sloan said, visualize it. We all know what it feels like to be hungry or thirsty. Think about it. And work through it. And, and when you think you got it, go do it again. Go right back through it. And see if you can get some more nutrition out of that. It will change your life. How do we know? Well, it's interesting. There is a promise in Psalm 1. What about the man or the woman that meditates? On the law of the Lord, day and night, what happens to that person? Janice, what happens? <laughs> They're like a tree. <laughs> They're like a tree planted by water. Mm-hmm. Do they bear fruit in season? Yes. Does the leaf wither? No. Yeah. There's some promises. Now, we've got to be careful to not, to not run a scientific formula that if we have a bad day, that the entire universe is deconstructed and I don't even know who I am now. I had a bad day. I don't even believe in myself. <gasps> no, let's not go there. Let's avoid the extremes. Okay? The fact is, it's smart and healthy to chase after God. Okay? Can we agree on that one? It's just smart and healthy to run hard after God. Done. Don't complicate it. Go hard after God. It's okay to say, God, I love you. I love you. Peter, Peter got a hold of this. He says in chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, he said, although we don't see him, we love him. Can't even see him, but we love him. There's just something beautiful about this stuff. So I want to challenge you. I just want to say, hey, I, I dare you to, to take some time tonight when you lie down on your pillow and every neuron in your brain says, pick up your iPhone and work through Instagram. Pick up your iPhone. Someone could have said something on Facebook. I'm teasing, but you get my point. <laughs> when you need your cocaine, I'm sorry, when you need your iPhone, just somehow don't. Just turn it down. You know, or, or go downstairs and put it in a cabinet and go back upstairs or something. And literally try to think about God and the good things of the day and the grace and the beauty of love. And even if you've bungled it and you've messed up, dare to believe that there's grace for those things. Dare to believe that. And, uh, and as Michelle said wisely, and if you're awakened in the night, 
Pray. Pray. Think about God's faithfulness. Something I do is I, I try to go through my, my schedule. Uh, Tammy's incredible, and she sets my schedule for me, and I, and I go, okay, who's, who's my 9 o'clock tomorrow? And I pray for them. Who's my 10 o'clock? And I, I just pray through those things. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit uses that. Uh, yesterday, three times, uh, the Holy Spirit said, call this person. Call this person. Three, it happened three times. Jay, it happened three times. Three red convertibles. And, and, I, and, and the first person said, how did you know? How did you know? And I, I think the Holy Spirit was to do those things. So funny story about Mac McCormick. He's not here so we can talk about him. I love you, Matt. Um, two, two ski trips ago, I literally, I, my spirit said, mm-mm. Busted knee on this one. I'm Matt, I don't feel good about this. He's like, Psh. you know, he's Matt. He's a superhero. Well, he blows a knee out and has to have surgery. The last ski trip, before leaving, he goes, Chris, are you having any spirit tingles? <laughs> and I did a spirit check. I'm not kidding. I'm being real with you guys. And I said, okay, if you're mean to Laura on the slopes, you will break your collarbone. He said, thank you. So they come back from the trip, and I said, Laura, how'd it go? And she said, Matt was so nice to me. And I said, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's a true story. True story. So. All right. All right. Let's meditate on this. <sighs> For I received. I received. I didn't have something at one point. Now I have it. I got something. Something was given to me. I received from the Lord a gift. Something came from Yahweh, the Lord. And that thing that I got from him, I'm going to pass it on to you. It's going to go from my hands to your hands. My heart to your heart. And that thing that I was given and that I give to you is that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the one that was born in a manger, who grew up as a boy under the tutelage of a father who was a carpenter, Jesus, in the night that he was betrayed by Judas by a kiss. During the Passover meal, he took bread and he broke it. When he had given thanks, he said, thank you. He broke it and he said, this is my body. How can bread be a body? How can bread be a body? It's a symbol of something. Just like you can crack the outer shell of crust on a bread, you can crack and split the skin on a man's body. My body was broken. For who? For you. His body was broken for me. Let's camp out there and unpack that one, Sloan. <laughs> How about that? Me? What? The chief sinner of all? Yeah, me. And when you do this, when you eat this bread, you're, when you're doing this, it causes the recalling, a remembering of who Jesus is. And in the very same way, he took the cup 
the cup also after supper, a cup. A cup holds wine, just like the human body holds blood. Our body is a vessel. It holds blood. And that cup can be tipped over and the wine would run out of the cup, just like the human body can be broken and blood comes out of the body. Or a grape is crushed. Now we're doing some Hebrew. You crush a grape and the blood of the grape comes out. He took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. Hmm. A new covenant. Bruce, sounds like there's a promise. Sounds like there's, there's a deep, deep exchange. The, the language of vow, covenant. A new covenant as opposed to the old covenant. There's a new covenant that is found in the blood of Jesus. And when you drink of that cup, you are remembering Jesus. And then Paul summarizes, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming, you're declaring, you're admitting, you're confessing, you're acknowledging the Lord's death for you until he comes back. I want to pray. Abba Father, these things are too good. They they are beyond us. That your love would go this far and be this deep. But we are so grateful. And we worship you and we say we love you. And we take the bread and we take the cup now and we remember. We reflect on, we think about what you've accomplished for us. It's because of Jesus. In his name, amen.